what do you normally say on your intro? Um, well, I've got this music, so sometimes I'll just say, hi, this is the eloquent in the room, and the music goes, did it, did did it, and then I just say one thing, and you could be like, I'm Ginny and I'm pissed off or, or something because, you know, we're just... <laughs> We're having a fucking vent, so um, about yeah, have a have a bit of a vent about creeps and stuff. But um, I want to cover a few things as well. Fabulous. Okay. Mm. Right. Good day, folks. This is the eloquent in the room. My name's Ginny. I hail all the way from the UK. I'm fucking excited. Let's do this. G'day indeed. How's it going, cobbers? Um, this is actually Rose. You're listening to the Eloquent in the Room podcast, episode 24. I could not resist letting Ginny open the show um, when we were sorting out um, when we were going to record our little chat together. We were conversing over Instagram and um, she sent me a voice message talking to me in an Australian accent and it was priceless. And I thought, well, fuck, you've got to introduce the episode just to keep things fresh you know uh speaking of keeping things fresh i have been having a little bit of a break these past few weeks a break from the podcast that is i have been rather consistently working on it for over a year and it's a lot of work and a lot of organizing and a lot of promoting and writing and stuff and um, I found that I didn't have a lot of interviews lined up and I wasn't really feeling like I wanted to write something new or drag out something old. I thought I just need to step back a bit and reassess where I'm at with it. Um, I've decided that I'm going to be a little bit more go with the flow-ish about it rather than putting one out every two weeks on a Tuesday. I'm going to put them out on a Friday, but it might not be every second Friday, it might be every third or every fourth. Um, in this case, this is part one of my interview with Ginny and I thought I'd put part two out next week so you don't have to wait a fortnight this time around. After that, at the end of the month, I do have an interview lined up with Laurie Mintz, the author of Becoming Cliterate. So it'll be nice to have a chat with a, an actual sex therapist, sex expert. Um, I've talked a lot about orgasm, particularly in the first four episodes of the podcast, 2020, An Orgasmic Oddity, I called it. It was kind of anthropological and stuff with a bit of science fiction thrown in. <laughs> um, so this will be me talking in my layman's field researcher kind of way about orgasm with someone who's got uh, a lot of um, education under her belt. I guess under her belt is the uh, descriptive term. Anyway, everybody, <laughs> look forward to that. So with this interview with Ginny, I wanted it to be the sum of her many parts. She's been on Instagram for just under a year. I've been following her for around about that time. She has um, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, osteoarthritis. She suffers from depression and anxiety, and she's also terminally awesome. Uh, we do talk about all of those things. But the reason we got together to chat this week was she posted about the amount of creeps that she's been getting coming onto her Instagram and liking her posts and leaving seedy comments, particularly if she posts something that features her looking sexy, which she can't really help. Um, and it gives her the dry heaves. It gives her anxiety. It really pisses her off. And I so get it. I so get it. It's one thing to jump on Instagram and, and take photos of yourself because you're really feeling good about yourself and you want to express that in a way that expresses your femininity and your sexuality in a way that makes you celebrate and want to share that celebration. But it's a whole other thing when someone's slipping into your DMs with fucking dick pics and shit. So I thought, what a great opportunity to get together with my lovely friend and just let our heads spin 180 degrees a la the exorcist and we spew our green bile of frustration <laughs> in a podcast but in a loving way um you know 
we're not, neither of us are the type to get too angry because we get too upset. We care too much about humanity to get too angry. It's just all very upsetting. And I really relate to Ginny on so many levels, even though we could not be more different in regards to our life experiences. Her Instagram, by the way, is called My Disabled Sex Life. Um, And it's awesome. For someone who really is kind of new to doing what she's doing, she's fucking smashing it. So I do highly recommend you follow her. But with no further ado, here's the little tinkle tinkle and um, have a listen. Yes. <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. Thank you so much. I thought that uh, would be such a great idea when we came on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely because you know, I, I, my Not one of my favorite or anything. one of my favorite things about um being a dickhead uh at my age is no one ever sees it coming. So, you know, the, the, right. I get I get some faces. Did you ever ever heard of or do chat roulette? Uh, yeah, 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 big time. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was well, common, wasn't it? I haven't done it for years, but but they kept changing it, and it just sort of seemed like mm-hmm. it was a a less hospitable. It was already a sea of penises anyway, but it was a, yeah. a less hospitable thing. And one of the mm-hmm. things I enjoyed most about it was seeing people's faces when they clock me, and there were several expressions. You know, there's like, "What the fuck, she doing?" on here she's my mother's age mm. and just like run screaming like oh you know <laughs> you just get this sort of look going oh, horrified God. and then you get and then you get the intrigued like they oh. and start having a conversation and stuff I used to put Christmas lights on myself at Christmas time and do it I'd be drunk oh, you, oh Rose what the hell what you like yeah um I think it's just this perception of like older people have to be so demure and like church going and you know clutching the purse too but yeah. my grandma's always been a fan of growing old disgracefully mm. um you know the more uproar and the more kerfuffle you can cause the better really um you'll, you'll know yourself like you always feel a young age in your head don't you absolutely your body ages around you but nothing changes absolutely nothing I still I mean, I'm only in my 20s now, but I still feel like I'm at school. Mm. And I bet that feeling is going to continue well into my later life. Yeah. Uh, and I would never, I would I would hate to think that, you know, all of this that makes up Ginny would disappear just because I'm old. And I apply that a lot to sort of my life of disability and how I want to advocate for the disabled community because... Right, yeah, I might be in a wheelchair, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to neck three tequilas and try and dance like Beyonce. You know, absolutely. It's <laughs> a thing you you already you already give no fucks now. Like I was, exactly. I, I was I was married and about to, about to have babies and stuff when I was your age, but I was I wasn't what you'd call conservative by any stretch of the imagination. Mm-hmm. But had someone said to me that I wouldn't even begin to start to feel like I was starting to get old, like uh, there's a lot of starts in that sense. <laughs> it's, it's really it's really not until after 50 and then more or less after 55 because the ageing process accelerates. But uh, otherwise, otherwise, if you're, you know, if you're healthy and all that sort of stuff, healthy diet and whatnot, um, mm-hmm. and you keep a young attitude and, and whatever, um, there's this grey area where it, you can dwell and it's a, it's a nice feeling because you, you don't feel weird in mm-hmm. situations and other people don't feel weird in situations. But um, now, that I'm getting, now that I'm getting a little bit older, I'm only starting to think about it and I think the pandemic's making it worse because I'm at home a lot, not, yeah. so, not yeah. socialising as much. And mm. so, and I'm quite enjoy. I think oh, I think I might be ready for the cat and the knee blanket and the, and the stories at <laughs> midday. <laughs> But, nice um, before bed. Yeah, exactly. But, that, but instead, know. I'm instead I'm getting my tits out on Instagram. We love to see it. <laughs> yeah. Now, what well, I was gonna... we... no, I was just going to say um, that's why I've stopped getting my tits out on Instagram, bloody perverts. Yeah, yeah. So mm. I thought I thought we'll get we'll get to that. But first, I wanted to just unpack the beautiful gift that is Ginny, right? <laughs> And because it's, because it's Pride Week, 
I was like, let's first unpack that. So you are queer as fuck. In fact, you queer have the you, you have, have to prove it. To prove it. <laughs> yeah. um, so how do you identify? So I identify first and foremost as a bisexual. Mm-hmm. And by far. Um, woo, bisexual <laughs> loveliness. And I have done for a very, very long time. Um, I was sort of one of the first people to come out in my village, in my school. Um, so I experienced quite a lot of homophobia and then went on to date pretty much most of the ladies that had been homophobic to me. Because um, that we know that, you know, the the most homophobic ones are normally the closet, closeted queers. Yep. Um, so, you know, I've I felt very comfortable with the bisexual label for a long, long time. And then I sort of fell as I've sort of grown into my older, wiser, mature woman self, mm. that queer gets me, queer understands, and that lets me play within my gender identity. And yeah, my pronouns are she, her, but like, I really like to butch it up a bit and play with my drag and express my queerness in that way. Um, you know, I wouldn't go so far to say oh, you know, I'm exploring being non-binary because I'm very comfortable in my gender expression. Mm. But I just like that room and that playfulness that queer gives me. Mm. And it is just like a do-what-you-want-with-it label, really, isn't it? It is. Because I think there's so many assumptions about bisexual. And Christ, I've had them all growing up. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll turn you straight from all the perverts. And, oh, so you're gay now. Yeah. you date the same gender and you think, it's just, it's got so much negativity towards it and it really frustrates me, mm. you know, being called transphobic and everything like that with being a bisexual label. Um, yeah. It's just frustrating because it's so inaccurate. Like, you don't know what goes on in, in here. You don't know why I'm, why I'm attracted to. Yeah. While I, I just love people and I'm attracted to people that are funny, smart, witty and that, it's just that I was raised in the 60s and 70s and when I did get crushes on girlfriends and did try to mack on with them and, and all that sort of stuff, I'd, I'd get a lot of pushback and get called a lesbian. And so I, I was closeted until my mid-20s when I was married. So it felt like there wasn't much I could do about it then, but times yeah. kept changing and, and I kept evolving mm-hmm. and, and I just kept getting more um, visible and more visible and reading more books about it and, and finding out more about it and going to queer events and, and identifying and, and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. doing that meant so much to me. Like I did the Sydney Mardi Gras one year, like did the parade with a float and all that sort of stuff. And it was like this rite of passage. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is my community and there's there's so many people that are on that bisexual spectrum that are just mm-hmm. just a smidge. Mm-hmm. It seems to me queer, the umbrella word, eventually, like I, we're coming up with more and more and more and more flags and, and gender identification and, and sexuality identification, but I think when it comes to sexuality identification, everybody is queer and I think everybody... Um, I I think having the B there makes people think, or the by word there makes people think too hard about what that means because we live in a different time now. A binary world, we do. Yeah, yeah. and mm. um, I don't think it meant binary back when. It just meant nope. that you're not just only attracted to people who identify as the opposite sex. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, just more than one. You're attracted to more than one gender. And in my case, it's biromantic, bisexual. Uh, there's variants. It really depends on the person. It's And it's just not about genitalia. And that's mm-hmm. what I was getting around to saying is I well, don't think so I don't think, I don't think women focus as much on the genitalia thing except if they are mm-hmm. homophobic. And then the first question you get asked, if they didn't know, if they thought you were straight and you say, no, I'm bisexual, I know the first question I was asked years ago was, does that mean you you want to go down on women? Like like this was something that was horrifying. So there was this eternalised misogyny everywhere. What? I know. Oh, my goodness. I know. And I'm like. Wow. Why? Why is? Why do people have to pick things apart, and mm-hmm. and find that find the things that expose the things that they're afraid of? 
Because they're so uncomfortable in their own identity, isn't it? They're so unable to express and feel that in the most past, like, I don't believe that anybody is, you know, straight. I just don't think it happens. I think people have got their own universal ways of thinking about this and they've got their own thoughts and feelings. Um, but it's just so repressed. They just cannot express themselves because they're so into this rigid societal structure that they've completely denied themselves all freedom Mm. just to be fueled by hate. And you think this is probably why we're not getting anywhere with anything, literally anything. Mm. Um, And honestly, if I think about it too long, Rose, I'll cry. Yeah, no, it's, it's, (laughs) it's uh, it's interesting. I, I find it to be a really, I feel it's so blessed to be alive now because, Mm. because, um, the queer revolution, particularly, I reckon, the last ten years, for us yeah. to for us to talk, it's in the vernacular for us to talk about being socialised under patriarchy and being socialised as uh, our gender um, and heteronormativity and all these words that I'm just seeing everywhere and thought in my head, but didn't have the language for. Mm-hmm. And didn't and didn't have people to talk about it with, and trying to trying to navigate patriarchy by having these conversations with people all the time and working out what internalized misogyny do I have left, and mm-hmm. and and what what white fragility do I have, and all this sort of stuff. I'm mm-hmm. examining this. People my age um, and older, particularly, are they're a little bit more reluctant. But I've always been a curious person and I've always been a journalist and I've always, you know, I've always sort of been really, really interested, like really interested. And people who aren't particularly interested in anybody's sex life outside their own or anyone's mm. life outside their own um, feel like I can't wrap my head around it. I can't wrap my head around it. And I just think just give yourself, give yourself a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? And it's so funny that you should say that because language is so important. Mm. I only really joined the sex positive community like now or a year ago. And like yourself, I've always had these labels and felt comfortable expressing myself. But there are parts that I didn't have the language for it. I didn't have the expression for. And I find that a lot of the time you'll speak to somebody and they'll be like, oh, um, it's, it's sort of like thinly veiled accepting homophobia. They'll sort of say, do what you want so long as you're not hurting anybody. And you think, <laughs> break that down in your head and tell me what you've said by what you've said there. Yeah. Examine what you break down each word and understand what you're trying to say. Yeah. What is it that you feel, come on, get it out. And you just kind of want to coax it. And I know for myself that joining this world and being part of all this inclusive language and understanding and really educating and getting to know the center of it all Mm. that's been the real change for me Mm. like my feminism has moved on tenfold tenfold honestly I can't even begin to express the fact that I didn't understand my own community as a queer person you know fully because I was only being shown people like me around the villages and places I've grown up you know um I've understood my disabled community a lot more again because I've been exposed to so much more um, I, I know way more now about the black trans community and everything mm. like that. And this is just so important. Mm. If you want getting out there and showing your understanding and learning. I love how much learning more about the trans community, the trans experience, mm-hmm. the trans spectrum, all of these things, how much it has informed my feminism. It has told it has told me so much about Absolutely. this. Uh, the, not only the the socialization, uh, but the the roles, the the yeah. labels, the perceptions, and and mm-hmm. there's so many beautiful people on Instagram who are Definitely. non binary and um, are really really flamboyant yeah. and really out there, and they have the biggest hearts and the most beautiful. Uh, communication ability and and such a depth and and I feel like these people are angels walking on the earth right now and oh, um, yeah Matt Bernstein I'm or ben, Bernstein I, I I watch his stories and and he wakes people up with his nails on the 
on the screen, wake up. It's wake up bisexuals or, or wake up queers or whatever, and he dances. And, and it just makes me so happy in my heart. Yeah. Just because all he, all he wants to do is be, beam love out to people, beam, beam love and acceptance. And, and the true power of the LGBTQIA plus community. Mm. We are walking divinity. Mm. We have overcome so much. There is tons yet to go, mm. but there is pure love and joy and we need to be protecting our community mm. and fully... Um, Oh, just giving it a squeeze, yeah, really, because it's it's just the best thing that's ever happened to me. And Absolutely, to, to have that those intersections of my queerness and my disability mm. and my femininity and my masculinity, mm. and just to love all of that, and and that's that's how Ginny Ginny came to be, I think, and accepting and truly, truly embracing. The disabled within me, mm. the fact that I am a joy of disabled, ouchy loveliness mm. is is the one, and that's been the real, real driving force. Mm. Yeah, my well, main that... identifier because it is. It's my main. It's my main thing. Yeah, thing. Whereabouts in the UK are you from? Because that was very, that was a very Liverpoolian. Gee. Not too far. I'm about forty minutes away from Liverpool, but I'm I'm from Lancashire. All oh, right, that's where my What's grandfather up? on my father's side is from. The you know the old cotton mills and stuff that around Rochester. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. My grandfather yeah. worked there from the age of eleven or whatever. So oh, the well, last la- the last time I went to went to um, the UK, I, I did a little bit of a pilgrimage around there and and mm-hmm. stuff. But yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm some absolute beautiful places around here. Yeah, um, yeah. If it, if it weren't mills, it were mining. Yeah, um, and I'm yeah. very, very tied tied to my ancestors. Um, I'm very keen on my local history. I'm very mm. keen on respecting the people people that came before me. I've felt like a tourist for most of my life until um, only about 20 years ago. We looked further into our family tree and found one branch. My paternal grandmother went all the way back to convicts from Ireland. So I've got this Irish blood and I kind of always knew that. So I've been to Ireland three times in the last four years, just taking my DNA back. And, but that's a whole other thing. Um, but that what I was, what I, I, what I wanted to do, um, cause of this, cause, cause you do identify, as you were saying, you have, have these beautiful aspects to, um, what you're doing. And, and obviously before we come live with this, I'm going to be introducing you as I met you on Instagram and talk about that mm-hmm. and, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and how I'm a big fan of yours. <laughs> <laughs> and um and yes so so we've got you as queer as fuck so what um what first gave you the idea to pop on instagram and 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 have an account that was actually an influencer or a, a social consciousness sort of branding do you know, it's really, really funny that you've sort of said to come on with like a social conscience influencer presence because I see that a lot of people get messages that are like, how do you become a social media activist or how do you become an influencer? And you think like, ah, oh, fuck me, I don't know, it just shit and happened. Um, what it was, was I was really embracing the power of the sex positive movement. It had done more for me in three months than ever in my life, education at school, family education, people that I grew up with, et cetera, et cetera. There was a lot of unlearning that was needed. How did you catch that wave? Like how did that come into your life? I'll tell you for why. I was out glamping. Um, mm. I was pissed with some friends. And as the conversation normally turns, like, oh, who's seeing who? Who's having sex with who? I've been married for four years now. And, yeah, things were all right, but there was a lot of trauma that was unaddressed there. I was struggling to self-advocate, struggling to adapt and overcome for my disability specifically so so sex could be better and I really don't know how it happened but one day I just sort of fell across one of Ruby Rare's posts on Instagram um that said like girls rank too and I was like oh my god people talk about sex on the internet 
because like I feel like there are so many different like streams to Instagram and like mm. people say it about TikTok like oh you've got to go through cottage TikTok to get to lesbian TikTok and I'm not on TikTok so I don't know what that means no. but I, I run three that- accounts I've got my personal account that's all bacon and dogs I've got doing up my house, which is all renovation. And, you know, it's just hundreds and hundreds of accounts of renovation. And it's great. And then I was finding these sex positivity and I was like, right, I want a space for these. So I was was going through and I was finding all this great information and thinking like, this is incredible. You know, I'm really, really empowered by this. I'm really empowered by these people. And sort of thinking, okay, but where are the disabled people? Mm. where are the people that look like me well a lot of people like me there's so many white people on this Instagram um Mm. but you know where are the disabled people where is the representation for this community especially as LGBTQ plus members um I was like what's happening um where are they and I've since found them they just take a little bit more digging you get to them eventually Mm. um but I thought well I'm a godly northerner I might as well give it a go um and I thought, I sort of messaged the girls' group chat and I said to them, like, do you think people would want to listen and, and you know, hear me talking about disability and stuff like that? And they're like, yeah, bloody do it, do it. So they really gassed me up and, and I started. And the first post that I made, I had a little notepad and I just sat in my room and just, right, well, here's EDS and period sex. You know, really, we get looking at my notepad and really shy and really not feeling confident and um you know and then all of a sudden I started making friends and you were very very early on in um in my Instagram page probably oh one of the first probably yeah (laughs) so um it just kind of grew from there and I've really fell in love with it let me tell you when I say it's my passion my god I'm so happy to have found it it's changed my life and mm. I think you'll probably say the same. Well, it, it comes very naturally to you and I yeah. think that that accounts for like you've grown quite exponentially but I, I, I presume your uh, audience is very organic. You're not getting a lot of sort of people who just come in uh, and, and follow you because, um, I don't know, some sort of algorithm thing or anything that you've done so on your side. There was no goals. There was never like, right, I'm going to hit 10K within the year. Uh, <laughs> there was none of that. I, I couldn't care less, to be perfectly honest. It's all about chatting to the community, basically. And mm. when I'm getting messenger, messages like, oh, I set up OnlyFans because of you. Do you want to see it? I'm like, yes, mm. tell me. And I'm getting these disabled people who have become confident in their sexuality and expressing themselves to the point they're now involved in sex work. And I think that's incredible. Mm. You know, we need representation in all corners. Yeah, and, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, especially about like God Instagram insights and business accounts and following the algorithm. I'm not into any of that. I don't have it because I would drive myself mad. I'm an anxious person. Sometimes mm. I think about deleting a post if it's only got like, 20 likes and then I think no okay it's staying I put a lot of work into that you know yeah um because it's not about that and Augustina with our values a beautiful woman um makes recyclable pads you've probably seen her a lot on my stories um and she's sort of the same um we're not here for the numbers but sometimes it does bog you down because you compare yourself and you sort of get into this whole like influencer sphere and um but yeah opportunities do come from this page and it's nice to get a bit of extra income because we know how expensive it is to live as a disabled person Mm. mobility aids cost a fortune and I've been so blessed that the gals in the community bought me a walker Mm. you know it's been incredible the support's been unbelievable I get a lot of imposter syndrome I don't know whether that happens to you as well but I sort of feel like why the fuck am I why the fuck am I being listened to like you know there's so many more beautiful voices that need to be heard and I'm I'm sort of taking up space and I shouldn't be Mm. and then I think no no you are living your experience you're talking your experience and people like it so 
Yeah. Have a bit of fucking faith in yourself, for goodness sakes. Yeah, it's a it's a weird sort of space to be in because um, particularly if you're an activist and in and that's what you are, that's you're an activist. Um, and that's to um, do what you want to do because uh, you feel that nobody has you haven't heard anybody say what you say in the way that you say it. I think um, everybody knows what they're not hearing and that's why you want to grab a mic and go, well, um, while everybody's talking about stuff, I just want to add, and that's that's where I'm at. I'm just like I see Mm -hmm. there's so many um, Instagrams and stuff and and qualified sex educators and qualified counsellors and all this sort of stuff. I have a journalist background but I also have a slut background and a relationship <laughs> a relation a relationship background and all that sort of stuff and that has taught me a lot of stuff people who are experts in their field are very good and have, and they've read the stuff and the studies and all this sort of stuff but we do know that the science has been shit for a very long time about women's sexuality we know that there's so much we're still only just now um, talking about and I've been reading about this stuff and writing about it, uh, mm. reading about it for 45 years or whatever and, and writing about it for 30 years. So it's like it's not new. None of this is new. No, but quite the, right. the internet and pornography just came and steamrolled what good stuff was happening in the 60s and 70s and mm. 80s where we were actually allowing ourselves the freedom to be sex positive. Uh-huh. People used to call me a slut when I was 17, 18 as an insult. And I just thought it was so the double standard always got to me. Mm-hmm. Always, always, always. Mm-hmm. So I never felt awkward. I never felt um I, I was always curious. I was always open and yeah. discovering things early on and just having so many other things just come along the way. And I think I've been having like not just having a variety of partners is one thing, but having mm-hmm. those long-term relationships, that's where you're learning the stuff. That's where you're experimenting because yeah. you've got your trust with people. Yeah, and that's where your communication yeah. and your boundaries and all of that sort of real exploration and sort of comfort comes from, I yeah. feel. But there are so many people that are like, like myself, literally, this is why I'm so I'm like, Christ, but but anybody's life can change from this because if I can come from the position of hate and sex and crying and feeling like a mess all the time yeah. to screaming, you know. Yes, screaming. I love orgasms on the internet. Like it, anybody can do it. And yeah. that growth is possible for everybody. And you don't have to be a hoe to be sex positive. Mm. Um, you know, <laughs> I just want to check everybody and be like, come and join us. It's brilliant. Yeah. Uh, like you say, you've seen more um, disabled uh, accounts on Instagram and all that sort of stuff. Has that that community, does it have its own sort of character? Is there something that's sort of emerging within this culture itself? Do you feel there's, uh, it, is it a sex positive culture? Is it a... You know, like it's uh, these intersections sort of um, presenting themselves in tandem for you because I don't follow as many disabled um, accounts as probably you do. Yeah, I would definitely say that the disabled people that I've come across have really, some of them are, are like myself, have come in with. I'm sex positive and I also happen to be disabled. Let's talk about the disparities between the two because these aren't normally communities that sort of intertwine from the beginning. And it's sort of like the body positive movement has largely been sort of co-opted from being about fat black women to thin white women like, oh, look, I've got one bit of cellulite, you know. And the sex positivity sort of has done that a little bit as well. And it's been, um, you know, sort of the more privileged amongst us are becoming even more privileged and even more educated. And it's sort of like, whoa, hang on, we're still leaving behind our BAME communities. We're still leaving behind our disabled people here. So, yeah, we're sort of dragging up in the end. And brands and 
and stuff like that are reaching out more for more representation and to include disabled people but it still feels a little bit like tokenism at this point Mm -hmm. so I guess unless you've sort of come in with sort of sex positivity first and then I happen to be disabled um yeah. Whether they're quite matching, I wouldn't say. I mean, I'm only speaking from what I've seen and what I've experienced. People might think, fuck you, I disagree, because they've seen it from a different angle. But I feel like if the non-disabled people, I mean, they do. People are good at sort of including me, for example, but I'm palatably disabled. I'm like, you know, a dynamic mobility user. I'm very non-disabled but for the more severely disabled people or for people with learning difficulties there are still less people advocating for them and there are still less people raising awareness um so there's still that disparity there in the community um we we, as a community we do come together incredibly well i'm i find a lot of people um are very supportive but gosh, I've also had some disabled people that are like, you're miserable, you're representing us in a bad light. And I'm like, what? Because I'm angry about our issues. Ah! No, I had to block somebody. Never mind. Oh, right. <laughs> I, hadn't, yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but I, I, when you say it, there's always there's always people that, that um, don't want to be defined and they think that anybody talking about the disability is them defining themselves by the disability. Is that? But uh, that's the fucking point. Yeah. I am disabled. Mm. Everything in my life comes from, will go to, and is always affected by my disability. So why wouldn't that be something that pops straight to my forefront of my mind when I'm talking about my life and what happens in it? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And Mm. and I feel, (laughs) I personally, yeah, I have my fucking rants because creeps, but I feel I come across with a very very positive light and yes I get angry because the discrimination that this community faces is unexplicable it I think it's well just look at society and how inaccessible it is Mm. and accessibility varies for every single person what I need to be accessible and what somebody else with disability needs to be accessible can be two two different things and people sort of half arse a ramp and say, oh, I'll carry you into club and think that they need to be applauded for that. Mm. Um, and people are okay with the fact that disabled people cannot access pretty much every facility in our society. Yeah. And they're happy with that. And mm. that's not okay with me. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to get angry and I'm going to fucking shout about it because it's not okay. Mm. And then I get people in my messages saying, oh, is it because you're disabled? Because you um, are always angry all the time. Oh, shit. I have the same disability as you, but I don't think I'm as bad as you. Um, so maybe you could smile a bit more. And I'm like, ah! Wow. <laughs> bit of an... So is frustrating. It, what is, yeah, what is that? I, I, it's, yeah. I, people, people take ownership of... Kindness yeah, taking of kindness to anybody. Yeah, and they're taking ownership over whatever is out there, like, that's kind of interesting. I, I find it interesting, yeah. too, that you're talking about body, body positivity, too, and I, ha- I hate, hate, hate that the body positivity movement has is co-opted, as you say, by people mm-hmm. who aren't necessarily uh, in any way challenged by um, things that um, other people might find in any way unpalatable in regards to their physical mm-hmm. appearance. Absolutely. But, yeah, but there's this body dysmorphia is is what yeah. it is, and and even thin women, and I've I've been thin all my life, um, just have a distorted view in the in the mirror. You just sort yeah. of you see what you see, and it's taken me like I have never had hang-ups about my body, but I've always been privileged because I'm tall. But your like your body does change with age and having babies and all this sort of stuff. And women are socialized to see their physical appearances as currency. Whatever whatever age you are, um, your entire validation as a human being is based on your fuckability. Mm-hmm. And what I'm seeing in all of Instagram, it's like it's all positive. It's all body positive. It's all um, 
empowerment for disabled people. It's all this, but at the end of the day, everybody is still wanting to be validated as still being sexually desirable. And that seems to be the yardstick that we we are using. And that's this patriarchy thing. It's kind of like... It's kind of like it feels like uh, one of those um, growth uh, things in a movie like or or Stranger Things or something where there's this webbing everywhere and we're clearing away Mm. a bit of patriarchy and we're we're getting to see a bit of daylight. But it's creeping up in other ways because we're still all Uh um, defining ourselves by I'm this but I'm still sexy. I'm this but... You know, I'm still yeah. lovable. I'm this, but I'm this, but and it. But it's all sort of with women more so than men. It's like um, I'm, you know, this desirability factor that goes into mm-hmm. into whatever. But I, I love I love your account so much because you're just a hundred percent you. Like, <laughs> there's and, no other way to be though, is there? There's, yeah. there's just no other way to be. And one of one of your posts that I found so compelling was just I'm gonna, I'm going to post a day in my life, and yeah. Just, yeah, yeah, and it was it was one of my favorite ones because I'm like I see this person who's most for the most part very chirpy, um, mm-hmm. and adorable with your vernacular from wherever it is you're from. So you're like my giddy aunt and all these sort of sayings, and I'm <laughs> I'm sure I'm like I know I make Americans laugh with the things that come out of my mouth, the Australian mm-hmm. slang and stuff. But you you yeah. kill me, girl. You kill me. Um, <laughs> and just sort of like actually seeing how you live and how that makes me feel because I care about you and how it makes me realise how not ableist per se but how I have screened out people's um life you know day-to-day experiences except for the people who I know who experience disability but I don't I don't have a peripheral vision around it that's privilege the thing I love so much about Instagram in spite of its flaws um, is is this is this sense that I've got like two handfuls of of accounts that mean a lot to me that that make me feel good that have taught me so much yeah and and make me feel like there's hope for the world I protect myself from joining things that I that might involve me coming into contact with things I actually don't want to see yeah quite right yeah that, that, that is absolutely I think that's the one um and TikTok's sort of very much directed at the young people and I worry for how much they'll next. My nephew, he's seven now, but when TikTok first came out, he was five. And he was on TikTok all the hours of all of the days, just constantly scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And I heard one of the videos that he was listening to and I damn near snatched the iPad out of his hand because it was absolutely so inappropriate. It was talking about sexual assault Mm. and like as in a man was joking about sexual assault um, and street harassment and whatever. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You're supposed to be listening to Minecraft videos. What are you doing? But he doesn't know. He's just watching it mindlessly, you know? Yeah. Scary though. And I worry for the youngins. I really, really do. Yeah. Defo. Um, So who are your favourite influencers? Because when when we talk about people, I also add it to the show notes so that people can look these things up and and stuff i'm very educational <laughs> oh you're so good look at you go i mean there are so many different people i follow for so many different reasons um my gal literally the best and bloody honest mm. um are my favorite sort of like truly educational tools and um, posting sort of like the sex ed you know like the facts and you like you said the sex education stuff isn't new it's sort of been around forever but it's presenting it in a way that we understand and that we are getting this inclusive sex ed finally mm. and I think the period education that bloody honest does is incredible and um, I've done a bit of work for her about periods with disability because mm. there are so many different factors that can make period difficult for disabled people and she's doing great work in helping people track and understand the cycles and really is doing some great work there. Yeah. Um, disabled people that I follow, because, I mean, there are 
just absolute beauties. Um, mm. I'm really enjoying Disabled Eliza at the moment. They are absolutely great. Um, they do some really fun reels. And I sort of feel like, yeah, this person gets it. She's got a very good sense of humor. They's got a very good sense of humor. And, um, you know, they're, they're quite, quite um, darky, would you say? Um, Andrew Gerza is also absolutely hilarious. Very, very dry, very witty. Mm. Um, and he's done a lot with the, do you remember the book review I did, the That's Handy book mm. um, of Love, Love, Lust and Disability? He was one of the co-writers of that. I absolutely love Dandy Doodles and the artwork they produce. They're a queer disabled person. And um, yeah, there's this one cartoon that really gets me. And it's like um, somebody's in a wheelchair and they've got their partners off shopping for them. Um, oh no, I'm mixing two different ones up, but somebody <laughs> comes over and goes, aren't you a little lamb look? Or aren't they so good for being with you? And I get that all the time when I'm out with my husband. People going, isn't he brilliant pushing you around? I'm like, oh no, my you know, sweetie. Honestly, it happens all the time. People are they have no fucking shame, Rose. The outward ableism that they display when I'm in public on a mobility aid is despicable. Mm. Fuck! It's great, though. He did it. Oh, no. Sorry, you're going to have to bleep his name out. Nobody's allowed to know his name. <laughs> um, my husband, um, mm. when we're out and about, he'll just literally, like, drive me away like, bunch of cunts! <laughs> and when we're leaving the accessible parking spaces, he holds my badge up to the windows like, Showing everybody. (laughs) It's great to have that support, but the way people address him rather than me, um, the way that people will talk over me and sort of say, oh, yeah, you know, isn't he good for being with you? And I'm like, I'm a hot piece of ass. Like, (laughs) you wish, baby. Funny, there's cartoons like, oh, isn't he a lamb? Um, Well, actually, I think you'll find that I'm this hot, sexy person and he's Mm. fucking lucky to be with me everything like that and I think yeah and I know that I'm digressing a wee bit from the account no. like I will send you a forward because so that was part one part two is coming next Friday we cover all sorts of stuff but we do zero in on the whole creep thing that we were talking about on the top um she gets harassed quite a bit And it's really fucked up. So um, definitely more her talking than me talking in the next episode as well while she gets a lot of stuff off her chest. And um, I'm here for it. And I'm so glad that um, I'm able to give her a voice in that way. I think if she were to do it on her own account, it'd probably just bring more trolls and assholes out of the woodwork. And she's feeling not safe on her account as it is. Um, and a big reason why I'm doing this, apart from the fact that she's awesome and so interesting to talk to, and I feel so privileged to elevate her voice, is that just as her friend, I want her to be able to do her thing however she sees fucking fit and not let anyone bring her down, not let any judgmental, leery, creepy fuckwits make her feel like she's being objectified and sexualized and and just icky all over um and yeah this is what women put up with if i have any men listening right now this is what all women put up with all the time from birth to death you're either too tall too short too fat too thin too dark too light too smart, too dumb, too maternal, not maternal enough, too tough, not tough enough, too sexy, not sexy enough, too slutty, not slutty enough. And we get judged all the time by men. We also judge each other too much. And um, it's all just insanity. It's all patriarchy. We're all victims of it. And we're all fucking fed up. So that's what this next episode is going to be about. Hey, remember in my earlier podcasts, after everyone, I would always say, please like, share, rate, um, 
and do all the things that will help boost the algorithm and send me DMs if you have questions and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm going to reiterate that, but I'm going to add a big please at the end um, because guess what, guys? I'm not actually hearing much. I'm hearing the same sort of level of uh, communication from the same people who are in my sort of inner community on Instagram and Facebook and all that sort of stuff. But um, there are a fair few of you listening to the podcast and because I want to take it more casually and not necessarily push an agenda, I do want to listen to you and what you want and I want to hear from people who are enjoying the podcast. I want feedback of all kinds. But most of all, I do want help growing my community. And the best way to do that is for you guys to talk to people about it, share it, um, like, subscribe, follow me on Instagram, share my posts on Instagram that you like, share them in your stories. Um, I don't want to go and buy a fake amount of followers on Instagram just to so that my numbers look good. I actually want every single person who is following me to be following me because they actually want to be part of the community that I'm trying to curate and cultivate. Um, I'm yet to start a Patreon yet. I should probably get around to that. I am working on more music. I hope to have an EP out before my 60th birthday in November. And <laughs> working on the second track at the moment. Oh my God. I'm so lucky to have a um, a live-in producer and brilliant musician in my son. What can I say? We're having fun. But he's a busy guy. So it's uh, finding time to do these things. But in the meantime, my brain never turns off. Hence me allowing myself a little bit of downtime from the podcast these last couple of weeks because I think I was having a bit of burnout. And that's the thing about being a creative. You not only need to be disciplined in order to create, you also need to be disciplined in order to listen to your body and listen to your brain when it needs to actually, oh, I don't know, rest, <laughs> recharge, reconfigure, defrag, rest, just watch bad TV or go for a walk and talk to the trees or do anything. I was um, feeling like things weren't as organic as they could be. So I decided to just go, you know what, let's just put the podcast out on an ad hoc basis from now on. And then after a few days rest, I started to feel happy again. Okay, so there's nothing more for me to say except toodle pip from the eloquent in the room oh Ginny I do hope you liked the um, the bleep that I made in bleeping out your husband's name because you weren't actually using a swear a curse word I used a curse word as the bleep <laughs>